welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today we have Lori and Tina and Brian and Drew and Dennis and Oscar. Good to have everyone today. Starting to see some regular new faces, which is good. Good to have Lori for the first time. Glad you're here, ma'am. For announcements, go to buddyc.org. Got a lot of good things there, a lot of resources. Got a resources page, got a bookstore page. With all the books that we use here, I try to put it in the bookstore there. So you've got easy links to find them. Also, have a daily devotion that we distribute free, which is at BuddyC.org as well. And it's taking the things that we're talking about and putting them into a to a daily bite, like a daily reflections type book. And I will eventually publish that once uh, I'm comfortable with what's written. It's still coming together. And I think I'm going to put off publishing that for a while because I'm not happy yet with the text. So. When we get to that point, we'll do that, but they're going to be free on the website. I'm not planning on ever charging for those. We're talking about the 13th verse of the Tao Te Ching. Anyone have a particular translation they would like to discuss? I'll go ahead and read the, while y'all are getting that together, I'll go ahead and read the Jonathan Star, verse 13. Be wary of both honor and disgrace. Endless affliction is bound to the body. What does it mean, be wary of both honor and disgrace? Honor is founded on disgrace, and disgrace is rooted in honor. Both should be avoided. Both blind a man to this world. That's why it says, be wary of both honor and disgrace. What does it mean, endless affliction is bound to the body? Man's true self is eternal. Yet he thinks, I am this body, I will soon die. This false sense of self is the cause of all his sorrow. When a man does, when a person does not identify himself with the body, tell me what troubles could touch him. One who sees himself as everything is fit to be guardian of the world. One who loves himself as everyone is fit to be teacher of the world. Man, that sounds familiar. <laughs> I was studying the Winsa with a sponsee this morning, Scotty M. And we were talking about, we're reading the Winsa, and we were talking about, what was it, Scotty? Verse 38, 39, and this is exactly what we were talking about. So that's good. I like it when those things happen. I'll make a note of that. Anyone have another translation they would like to read? I've got the Stephen Mitchell. Success is as dangerous as failure. Hope is as hollow as fear. What does it mean that success is as dangerous as failure? Whether you go up the ladder or down it, your position is shaky. When you stand with your two feet on the ground, you will always keep your balance. What does it mean that hope is as hollow as fear? Hope and fear are both phantoms that arise from thinking of the self. 
When we don't see the self as self, what do we have to fear? See the world as yourself. Have faith in the way things are. Love the world as yourself. Then you can care for all things. Thank you, Drew. I, I just want to say that this, both the, the, the drafts are so full of compassion. I just feel so, such a lot of compassion. It's, the first speaks to my compassion for everything around me. <laughs> it's a weird experience I have with this when you both read those verses. But, but compassion is the word that resonates with me. Thank you, Oscar. Drew? I, I remember reading it for the first time and the line, hope is as hollow as fear, really struck me as strange because we're always taught to have no fear and be full of hope. So to, to equate one with the other was really strange to me. And then getting down a little further when it goes into that, hope and fear are both phantoms that arise from thinking of the self. That made me pause and think about it and I kind of realized hope is really the, not even the opposite side of the coin, but the same side of the coin as fear because for me, if I'm hoping that something happens or hoping that something doesn't happen, there's usually some sort of fear related to it. If, if I hope that something doesn't happen, then that's that's really close to being afraid of the thing that I hope doesn't happen. And if I hope something does happen, then that is more of just me thinking that I might not be able to handle a situation unless I, unless it's something that, that I really want, which is just me thinking about, about myself and not being able to accept whatever comes in the future. So both of them, to me, just seem to be hope and fear, not being able to to accept what what happens. So if I can be in a place of acceptance, just live moment to moment, day to day, and know that I'll be okay, really, no matter what, then hope and fear can go away, and I can have more room to to think of others or just have some peace of mind thank you drew dennis yes good read as usual and thank you oscar i've never heard that approach before to any of the stances but yes when you say there's a lot of compassion in these things that's wonderful two things stands out to me hope is as hollow as fear i've always that's a big thing for me i always joke around saying yeah i really don't like hope because it tells me that I'm not okay with what's going on right now. That's the reason I want, I hope for things to be different. Early in recovery, for example, I've tried that many times. <laughs> so when I hope for it to be different, that means that I'm fearful in this moment because I'm going through the motions. I'm going through what's going on, this storm. So that's why I see it as that. And then I like to say when we're, when we're talking about the self a little bit further down, it can become a little confusing, but it reminds me of the Bhagavad Gita that we have a higher self and we have a little self. Actually, in the Bhagavad Gita, they say that when they write I, just 
when we talk about ourselves, it's a little eye. That's our ego. There's, it's always there. We can't do anything about it. And then there's the higher self, the one they say there, where we don't see the self as self. What do we have to feel? Right? When I don't have to identify with my body, my name, and all those things that our ego needs to be attached to function, then fear disappears, right? So that's what I get out of that, that the higher self and the lower self for that. And so I'm, I think, I don't know, I think we're talking about the ego, the ego of the mind here, right? That's the little self and that's where I find all these successes and I find the failures that I want to identify with, right? I want to be good all the time. I don't want to feel failure. I want to feel the success. And if I am in failure, I want to hope for something else, right? But I'm never really present. I'm really with my true self or the true God thing or Tao thing, whatever you want to call it, right? That's what I'm getting out of it. Thank you. Thanks, Dennis. I was looking at this, and I'm glad y'all brought up the hope as hollow as fear because a long time I didn't understand that either. They're just taking us out of the moment, right? There's no acceptance there. We found our peace comes from acceptance rather than from things being a particular way. Yes. But it's a good feeling, that hope. When you're not feeling, oh, I know it's going to be different down the road. So it's still, I don't know, in a human level, it can still make us feel better in that moment. I don't know. I know that when I came to AA, I saw people for the first time that drank the way I drank. And I saw them recovering. So I had hope that it would work for me, too. So that's a good hope. But a bad hope would be for me. If I'm not present in the moment and unhappy with the moment because I want it to be different, that's the trouble with hope for me, if that makes sense. We could get hung up on the words. It's like people saying, some fear is good fear. Let's just not go there. Let's just, the way I think that it's bad hope is the fact that it's taking you out of the moment because isn't the goal of, if there's a goal, is for us to be aware that the moments as it is and beyond our control and surrendering to what is. I think that's the whole point of this whole deal is showing us how to do that because God is love. God is now because we can't love in hope or in fear. Neither one of those have love in them, hope or fear. Think about it. You can't love in the future. You can't be compassionate in the future, Oscar. You got to be compassionate right now. It's the only place in this moment. You can't say, hey, I don't like you now, but I hope I'm going to love you tomorrow. That's it. <laughs> you can say it, Dennis, but it's not going to work. <laughs> Anyone else? Uh, most of the time we feel discomfort with the present moment. We can, we always have this kind of, in this false self, we have thoughts which are saying, Maybe better this way. This could be better. The weather could be better. It could be less hot or it could be more hot. I, I don't know. So you have, you design a kind of thought pattern where you think things are going to be better and you attack other things which are worse and you have to fear. But it's all very much for short term, like instantly. But the we have no idea what is good or bad on long terms. We cannot, we cannot even comprehend it. For instance, my 
a rock bottom is the foundation of recovery and it feels like the baddest moment in your life and at the same time uh, years later it was the best moment of your life so how can it change so much it's not it's clearly that it's false the interpretation is false and that is a run by a false self which is never in a now because as soon as you are in a now it it disappears because it can't live there you, you they can't combine i can't be into christ consciousness or into the Tao or into buddhist nature or whatever name you give it and at the same time hope for something else <laughs> it just it's not compatible thank you thanks oscar anyone else have something that was good okay hope and fear are both phantoms that arise from thinking of the self. And there's a phrase, actually I used it not long, I think just a couple of days ago on the devotions. Self, selfing self, that's a Zen term. And that's one way that they describe the process of surrender. And actually we talked about it this week in the Zen study group, the book study, and it self, selfing self, I would look at it as the same thing as love, loving love, or truth, truthing truth, or any of those positive things you could put together. And if you want to look at the negative side, you can do negatives. You know, what I used to do all the time was fear, fearing, fear. <laughs> that was continual, right? But this is the process of self, selfing self. In other words, turning that light around, looking within. When we don't see the self as self, what do we have to fear? Dennis? Yes. Actually, just while you were, when you were mentioning it again, it reminds me of the third step. And just, and it's interesting. That's one of those things when they connect. I had a meeting yesterday and interesting enough, your sponsor was sharing the meeting yesterday. And, and he was very, he's very good at just taking two words out of, he took it out of the as well. And I don't remember exactly how he put it, but it's just like when it explains that you cannot trust yourself anymore. And, and that's exactly what it is with step three. If you read, if you really get into the pages 60 to 63 in the big book where it says that we're really trying to control everything until we give it up to that power we don't understand. Some guys do understand it, but I don't. And that's actually so interesting. So that means I'm actually in, in step three, I'm moving away from hope fear, success, and everything that I think that I have control over to to my true self. And I like that Oscar just used that word. I fi- I'm finding my true self when I find that power I don't understand. And that's also what I'm hearing here. Can I move away from everything as I think they are and me as I think I am and all those things? And can I move away t- and just rely on that power I don't understand? Right? And that's what it reminds me of when you talked about the hope and fear like that. Thank you, Dennis. If anyone does understand the higher power, please enlighten us because we're all in the same boat. But that's the boat I think we're supposed to be in. I used to have it figured out, Dennis. Fifteen years ago, if you would have asked me this and that, I could have I had a box for everything. No matter mm. what it was, I had a place to put it. 
So I felt secure in belief, which for me was a lot of fear based with that. How about this? This is MacDonald, that very last phrase. Love the whole world as if it were yourself. Hmm. That's the self-selfing self. That's the surrender. Hmm. Then you will truly care for all things. Ah, so we love first and then we start caring. We don't love because we care or we don't. We care because we love. Huh. Lori? So I have a translation that's different. I've had this book for decades, and it's nice to finally bring it out and look at it again. Seriously, so it's Ralph Allen Dale. So is it okay to read this? Oh, yes, please, please. It's different than the other ones, but similar to what we're talking about. It titles the verse, and some of the translations have a title I noticed, and some don't. So this one says identity. Accolades can usher in great trouble for your body. Censure can herald misery. Why can favor and disfavor both be harmful? Because both accolades and censure, when filtered through self as ego, always place us in jeopardy. But when the universe becomes yourself, when you love the world as yourself, all reality becomes your haven reinventing you as your own heaven. Only then will you transcend tense to fully be here now. Only then no harm will the universe proffer, nor you to her, for you will be not you but she and both the universal great integrity. I like that. Avoid all extremes. I can remember as a kid, I would journal and I was always seeking out the middle way intuitively, just looking for the middle way. And that's what I hear here is don't get too excited and don't get too sad. Just shit. Stay in the middle. I went to college. I'm the oldest of four. I have three baby brothers, 10, 12, and 15 years younger than me. I grew up in Colorado. And i never been around girls. I went to college and had a roommate, and she about drove me nuts. <laughs> she was like, oof, so excited, and then so sad she was crying. And I just couldn't relate to that because this had been just intuitively the way that I dealt with life, cope. The way that I found easiest to cope was to stay in the middle and not get too excited or depressed. So... The paradox that I always love when that comes up, and that is one is not available without the other. I think the translation you read, buddy, was honor is founded on disgrace and disgrace is rooted in honor. Like you can't have hot without cold or short without tall. And brilliant. Just get to relax and observe. Thank you for being here. It's good to be part of it today. Thanks, Lori. What was the name of the author of that translation? Ralph Allen Dale. Thank you. Anyone else? Love the world, the whole world, as if it were yourself. Then you will truly care for all things. 
isn't that also when we are interconnected with everything, with others, with the world, that's the description of that, that we are okay with everything as they are. That's that peace and calm. That was the first one I did. A, a real, that pause after step four and five where you have to sit still for a while. The first time I ever had that experience where I really felt connected again because I was disconnected in my, in my disease of alcoholism addiction. And then when I reached that again, for some reason, that gave me a short glimpse of that. That is how I experienced the world as me, and I felt connected to everything for that moment. And that has been the chase ever since. And then if you go into sin and this, and then you realize if it's a chase, you're never going to get there, right? Because it's already, it's always there. It's just, it's just I'm deviating from it all the time for my human mind, right? <laughs> yes. We can't have desire because we desire it. Because when we desire, we're saying we don't have it. Yeah, exactly. And then we're into the dualities again that we right. just hear Laurie talking about that you can't have short without tall and all that. It's so interesting. And when we get into it, it's so simple, right? So whenever, and that's, I still struggle with that. Is it my will? Is it God's will all the time? And normally God's will don't come with a struggle. I've realized, but my will always does. There's always, oh, man. And still I can go on for days over something. That, I don't know about this situation. What do I do? And then if it comes easy, oh, there, here we go. So interconnected with everything. That's it. And what is it that Katie Byron is saying, right? That's her way of God. What is that? I'm falling in love with this present moment. Or what is yeah. that? Part? What is? I'm falling in love with what is yeah. right here, right now. Right? Hmm. Isn't that all of recovery is that last stanza? I'm just going to read the four I have. Guy Fu Fang, Stephen Mitchell, McDonald, and Hogan. That last phrase, surrender yourself humbly. Then you can be trusted to care for all things. Love the world as your own self. Then you can truly care for all things. That's Guy Fu Fang. And Mitchell, see the world as yourself. Have faith in the way things are. You brought that out, I think, Dennis. That's good. Love the world as yourself. Then you can care for all things. Same thing with McDonald. And then Hogan says, fear can keep you from getting the job done, but confidence can get you in over your head. Walk tall, but don't get cocky. Know your limits. And nothing can ever hold you back. Deal with what you can. The rest will follow. Usually Hogan rings with me, but that one doesn't. Comments, anyone? Yeah, can you please say Hogan's again? I was zoning out, buddy. The last two, I'll do his together. Fear can keep you from getting the job done, but confidence can get you in over your head. Walk tall, but don't get cocky. Know your limits. And nothing can ever hold you back. Mm. Deal with what you can. The rest will follow. Mm. I, when I see deal with what you can, that tells me I need to roll my sleeves up and work harder and do better. When it's not dealing with it is not working harder and doing better. Dealing with it is surrendering to what is not more hope. It's going to change. Scotty. Hey, everybody. Buddy, as you were reading those last stanzas, it made me think a lot about the last paragraph of page 164 in the big book and a vision for you, when she's talking about 
surrender yourself humbly, I immediately went, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. And then the instructions, admit your faults to him and your fellows, clear away the wreckage of your past, give freely of what you find, and join us. Makes me think an awful lot about love the world as your own self, and then you can truly care for all things. Made a big connection in my brain with all of that. And then we were talking a lot about these sort of dualistic ideas, hope and fear, good and bad, right and wrong, all that stuff. And it feels like verse 13 is telling me that they're, there's the same thing. And the way to avoid the discomfort or the disorder, as it might be, is just accept the moment exactly the way it is. It's page 417, if we want to stick in the big book, that acceptance is the answer to all my problems. When I'm disturbed, it's because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity to accept that person, place, or thing as being exactly the way it's supposed to be at this moment, right now. This is exactly how it's supposed to be. It's not good or bad. It's just exactly the way that it is. And for me, that is a process. <laughs> I like to make things the way that I want them. I hope things get better or I'm afraid things are going to suck. But if I just narrow right down right to that very tiny little tip of that pin and accept it exactly the way it is right then and there, it's going to be a better option for me anyway. I can even step back from that, Scotty. When I hear things are as they should be, I cringe a little. Just me. Things are just as they are, even. You could take it a step back from it. As they should be gives me the idea that that the strings are being pulled out here somewhere. And I've gone to the thinking that, that currently keeps changing, that life is like a river. And as we surrender self, learn to love the world, we can get more buoyant and then we start attracting the things to us. That's, I think that's why sometimes something will happen and you're thinking, wow, that's exactly what I wanted, but it didn't work out. Why didn't it work out? And then something else will come along. And I think it's like we're attracting these things by what we're desiring because we know that what we seek, we find. We know that. I've sought things that weren't good for me, and I got the thing that wasn't good for me. The things I'm truly seeking, I'm going to find. So I was just putting all that together with what we have here, and really self, selfing self, surrendering, learning to love the world as if it were us, puts us in that place that, and I think all these things just work into something good is what happens. So do I go right or left? doesn't really matter it's going to work into something good (laughs) we don't have that idea that i had to hear from god and it had to be this way and it was this will for my life that was ironclad and then i didn't make this decision so i screwed the whole thing up all of that thinking i can just let go of and just know i know this is going to work into something good and if you were a Christian and wanted some Bible for that, Romans eight twenty eight says that, especially in the message version. It says that every detail of our lives of love toward God works into something good. That's paraphrased, but it's but that every all this stuff just works into something good. That's even more miraculous for me than thinking that 
that it's all providential. I fall down the steps and I say, "Woo, I'm glad that's over with. I don't know if it's like that or not, but I know that these things work towards something good. I can see that in the past. If I look back, say, wow, that and the good and bad hope and fear. I'm thinking of them like a coin. I was told this. I didn't come up with this, that it was that the moment is like a coin. Good and bad are two sides of the same coin. So if we can think about the moment like a coin, that it's just as it is, it's all one thing, not I've got to work to make it good or I'm getting punished for bad. All that thinking, judgment thinking, if we learn to love the world as if it were our own self, which is what we're taught in all of our disciplines, we're taught that this is the same thing. Then we can care for all things. Then we can be right-sized. Who mentioned third step? I think, did you mention it, Dennis? I think that really is the third step that we, that we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand God. That's the decision. This is doing the decision we made as we let love control and run our lives. Then we start laying down self. And there's nothing left to do but to care. Comments? What else can we get out of that verse? Who? Hi, Tina? guys. I'm hey. Tina. <clears throat> the word should. Buddy, what was the quote you said that you didn't always agree with? Was that everything is as it should be. Okay. Yes. The word should. Because that implies we want to change. Or that it should be changed. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not what we want, but it's the way it's supposed to be, so it's okay. And I was thinking about that, and I thought it's different if you were to say everything is as it should be, like as a declarative, as a statement instead of an open-ended question. But it, it does matter. The words we choose, to, to me, it matters because I translate it into... It, that I could, there's other possibilities than the one that just is. <clears throat> and who was, again, with Eckhart Tolle is they re, after reading his A New Earth, for the fourth time in a different part of my life, but it's always different to me. But this, he says, one of the best spiritual tricks to use, or I don't know how he worded it was, just say, I don't care what happens. I don't care what happens. And that is a hard thing for me to say, but there's something so freeing in it. I, my, it's about my expectations and, it, and then it takes out the what should be and what. And so I, I try to say, I just don't care what happens. I don't care what happens. I, and I try to live that way. It's hard for me when I take my will back and I want to run the show and be the director. <clears throat> but if I can just stay in that, it, it seems like that would be, and maybe Ron Hogan would say that, is, is that the guy at the end where he's just real, just, I, I don't care what happens. It's a very cool way to say that. So those are the things that were coming up for me. Thanks, Tina. Dennis? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's good. I'm always getting happy when somebody else besides me is mentioning Eckhart Tolle. And I want to see Buddy's reaction because 
he still see him as that little mouse. I see him as the enlightened Mr. Bean. But still, I draw from him all the time. He's amazing. Anyway, I thought it was about time, buddy, to to uh, to read about this book that's called Powerless But Not Helpless, that somebody here might have been written sitting here. And that's your interpretation, just to stop joking about it. And verse six, verse 13, your headline is, We Can Escape Suffering. Glory or insignificance, which is better? And that's, we already talked about that. There's all fear and all that in that. Both can bring suffering when we're wrapped up in self-will and ego. So you're bringing it into to the recovery lingo. I really like that. As we surrender self and allow powerlessness to overtake our lives, we will lose interest in selfish pursuits. So we're finding our true self, right? We're being connected. We're seeing the world as our true self. We can then see how to help those still suffering, in turn, escaping from our suffering. Twelve step. Then we have something to give away when we reach that point, right? Isn't that what it is in recovery? You cannot transmit something you haven't got. So if you're still in that good and bad, Bhagavad Gita called it the gunas, where we on, on that earthly level where we're judging or we're being judged, we're measuring ourselves with others. We're not really transmitting that power we don't understand. <laughs> we can't care, Dennis. Mm-hmm. We want to put it back in the 13th verse lingo that if we don't make the decision to love the world as ourself, we're not able to truly care for them. We don't think our way into acting. We act our way into right thinking. Yeah. So that's how that works. Yes. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you. Anyone else? Oh, some something that comes up for me sometimes, and this is especially when I'm going through a, a depressive phase or something like that, loving the world as yourself, when you know, you've got to love yourself first. And sometimes just don't really feel that way. So, I don't know, just to get y'all's input on what happens when you're a little unable to love the world because you got to start with loving yourself first, and that's just really not where you are at the moment. Drew, do you really have to start there, or you can, or can you start with taking the action of loving someone else before you have love for yourself? I'm thinking, and my experience has been, I change when I choose to love. I don't change first, then love. It's what's the resentment reading in the big book that when we resent someone. We pray good, pray for them the things that we want. If we do that for two weeks, then we'll find that we no longer resent that person. That is doing verse 13. That is not judging the person. That is loving the person as ourselves. And in turn, with us loving them, we are able to care. We choose to love before we care. Or at least it does with resentment. I don't think it's going to work, but I pray for them anyway. And I'll find, even if it's empty words, it says, do it anyway. That would be loving when you don't want to or don't think it will work or any of those things. I, is the way I interpret that. But what do you guys think? And Dennis, being that you brought it up, I really like that fourth stanza there on 
my interpretation, if we surrender self and allow powerlessness to overtake our lives, we'll lose interest in selfish pursuits. Guys, you can find this book at BuddyC.org, or if you email me at info at BuddyC.org, I will send you a PDF copy of the book as well. So that's open to anyone. Or you can buy it at Amazon. Oscar. Yeah, I was thinking about this. This Drew brought in about being depressed or down or I don't know the state, of course, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be on a psychiatrist road or about depression, but let's say not the disease, depression, but depressed. Like you're thinking too much and you're thinking too much negative thoughts, like something that, like something like that. And in this verse of Jonathan Starr, he says, man's true self is eternal. Yet he thinks, I am this body, I will soon die. And that not that the essence of depression? You are not connected with the true self. The true self won't be depressed. I think I can guarantee that, whether I'm a psychiatrist or not. It's impossible for a true self to be depressed, right? So it's always the false self. And why is the false self depressed in whatever measure? Because he knows or thinks I am this body and I'm going to die. <laughs> and that's, and then he goes on. The false self, the false sense of self, so it's an illusion, is the cause of all his sorrow. When a person does not identify himself with his body, tell me what troubles could touch him. And that's the whole transfer, transformation from in depression, out of depression, in addiction, out of addiction, in negative thinking, out of negative. It's a whole, it's a whole, actually it's a, actually it's step two, I think. So I, yeah, step two and three, maybe the combination. So first I, I accept, okay, there is something bigger than myself, which can make me back, which can bring me back to sanity, which is insane to believe and then okay I give my will myself away so the false self goes out of my system and then I start working and then the action follows and probably the action is giving something to other people <laughs> and it's all filled with love automatically okay <laughs> thanks thanks Oscar that was good Lori so I can relate to what Drew said that Question popped in my head also about self-love. And the reflection is what I do is like a step 10 with an outreach call. And most importantly, the set aside prayer. I heard you talking a few podcasts ago about the serenity prayer. And I had never thought of that as being religious-ish because I was raised Catholic and I have a, I'm a recovering Catholic. <laughs> So I had issues with the Lord's Prayer, but not with the Serenity Prayer. But what I find most useful is the set-aside prayer. Are you guys familiar with that? Yeah, I set aside. Go ahead and ex- go ahead and share it with us, Lord, if you've well, got it so in front of you. There's one in that's, you can Google it, but I make up my own in, in the moment because that's what I find most useful is I'll call someone when I'm not feeling very loving to self or anyone 
and being grumpy. I set aside everything I think I know, everything I believe to be true, and then I'll interject there whatever. Um, my fears, my insecurities, I set aside all of my expectations and my rules, my shoulds and musts. I set whatever comes to mind. I set it all aside for an open mind and a new experience of the moment. And when I say that out loud to someone else on the phone and then they say theirs, it just, it seems to play. Tony Robbins used to call it pattern interrupt interrupts my the space where I am and so if it's a sponsee that calls me or if it's me calling anyone on my outreach list anyone in recovery really that has been that has been for me and I have about nine I have nine plus years has been the most um, helpful consistently over time helpful pause pause, set aside. (laughs) It gives me back to reality for the moment anyways, and I might have to do it again. And I love the deep resentment prayer too. I suggest that to my sponsees, that they do that if there's someone who's really pushing their buttons. It's a wonderful tool as well. So this is, oh, and thank you for bringing up Eckhart Tolle. That's one of the reasons listening to the podcast. Absolutely. I'm reading New Earth again. And absolutely resonate with that as more good tools on the journey. Thank you. Thanks, Laurie. I secretly like him, but I just pick at Dennis about it all the time. When he, It's a good riff between me and Dennis. Dennis, what do you have, sir? Um, oh, this is good because when I first heard Drew bringing it up, and thank you for doing that, I agree with Drew that, that you cannot love somebody unless you love yourself. However, buddy, when you're asked into it, also very important. I saw, I realized I do still suffer from depression. And, um, and, and when I get in there, the way I do love myself, it's right in the St. Francis presence by loving that it's more important for me to love others than it is to love myself. Because in that moment, I begin showing love to others. I love myself at the same time. Right, we talk about that all the time with the hands and that body. You better yeah. that medical. That's that, and that is an amazing tool to learn to love myself. And then I can be out there, and, and then I'm healed again. So I'm healing by showing love to others, and it's by self-forgetting that one's fine. That's also a big twelve-step thing. We're going out, and we don't ask for anything in return. We give a book away freely, not for them to read them. <laughs> that was a hard thing for me. When I gave big books away and they didn't want to read it, I want to beat them up with it. <laughs> that was my answer. I'm going to hit you in the head with this if you don't read the black stuff in it. Why? It's $12. I don't have that much money. <laughs> so, yeah. That so, MF, he won't read the book I gave him. I can't believe that. Yeah, that's it, right? So I had to really sit with all that and learn that. But that's what I'm learning from the St. Francis Prayer. That is an amazing tool to get out of myself, to get into myself again, right? The true self, where I'm not get up. Because in my depression, I know there's, it is something about my, my little self that is disturbed, I'm guessing. And um, that's, that was really good. And the set aside prayer, I've said it so long. For those of you that haven't heard it yet, it's uh, please, God, set aside everything I think I know about myself, the big book, the fellowship, the people in the fellowship. 
And then you can add on, for me, it's my spouse and everything else that I... So you're going away from those thoughts and those judgments to just what is, right? That, that That's it. So very That good. I might have an open mind mm-hmm. and a new experience with all these things. That's the restoration, Oscar. That's the second step is we're restored to self-love. We're restored to sanity. What happens for me is folks are put into my life for me to pray for that have similar issues to myself. I didn't like where I was living. Lo and behold, I have a sponsee that doesn't like where he's living. So I pray for him to get acceptance that there's no better place for him to be right now than where he is. And I do, I pray that for him when I feel that or with depression, I have someone I pray for that deals with depression. All those things I'm give, I'm presented someone actually. I don't even have to look. I am presented if I'm open hearted and I'm available. I'm always presented with someone within a short period of time. Anyone have any experiences? Applying this in that way, like with resentment or self-love, did you feel better about yourself if you started having this attitude? They call it an attitude of gratitude or an attitude of compassion, either one. You know, that everything we do with it, we do with an intent of being helpful. It's not stopping everything you're doing and floating on some cloud and doing all that stuff. This is about real life. It's about learning how to live with a compassionate attitude, living this openness. It can affect anything that we're doing in the moment. It can affect how we relate to our kids or how we drive our car. We can drive our car compassionately or we can drive it like an asshole. Either one. That's a great, for me, that's a great example of how Compassion applies to everything. It applies to every response I make. It, my attitude, am I here to be helpful or I'm, or am I here with an agenda? If I'm here with an agenda, then it's the self that we're talking about. I'm going to be dividing. I'm going to get upset. I'm going to get disturbed. But when I learn to see the world as if it were me, like the hand to the mouth, Yes. Any other comments? Oh, Tina, that phrase, I don't care what happens. Another couple that I've mentioned before, one is thank you for everything. I have no complaint whatsoever. That's from Sona Story, S-O-N-O, I think. She was a Japanese Buddhist teacher many years ago. And then the other one. I got it from my Zen friends too, and I don't know where it came from. I would not change blank even if I could. That's a step past I don't care. <laughs> so those things help me with acceptance, but we just come back to the same thing almost every time, which is accepting the moment as it is right now. That doesn't mean we approve of it. Doesn't mean we like it, but once we accept it, I find peace right now, no matter how, quote, good or, quote, bad it is. That's right. That's very good. I was just thinking one thing for when we were 
just because we're bringing up Eckhart Tolle, for those of you who want to read him, there's a little depressed, start with the power of now instead of a new earth. I'm just saying new earth can be a little depressing when you, when you read it because it does, it, it, he does describe the, the collective ego that, that we all have because the world is really ego driven. We, we know that. And the reason, here's a simple way to see it. We identify ourselves with everything. How we go wrong, we identify ourselves with how we look. We also identify ourselves with our ideologies, right? We say, I am a Republican, I am a Democrat, but you're not. That's just what you're voting. And that's where the fight comes in, right? So that's, it's so interesting. And we all fall short of that. I haven't seen anybody. So when it comes to the program, I really like this old timer that came in here and he said, we all come in here, we think we're so spiritual, right? But I'm, pro- I'm going to promise you one thing. None of us is going to really going to win the mental health of the year award. <laughs> I really like when we can be a little human. Sometimes we, we like to polish ourselves up, right? And, and, and it's so interesting to see when I can deviate into to that. Ah, uh-huh, here I go again. Thank you, Dennis. Hi, I'd like to say, yes. I'd like to say one thing. At the beginning, when we were talking about hope, and Buddy brought up when we were in our cups or hitting our bottom, how hope was important at that time. And I think there's been a time when, in, and recently, past year, where my depression has gotten, you know, on up and down, but during one of my downs, I remember feeling hope, whether it be from someone in a meeting or a podcast or something. But sometimes it was so important to me that hope. So I wanted to just distinguish between because buddy, like a long time ago when we first did this, I remember this hope, spiritual hope. We I think that's the term we use. We wanted to say spiritual hope is different or we don't I don't remember the conversation I should go back and listen to it but I do remember shortly after that Tara Brock did a podcast on I think she called it spiritual hope and it was it she didn't talk about the Tao in it but it was very relatable but that hope when I'm depressed I think is so important and I also want to say that you never know um where you're going to get it, but also that goes for, I love the quote that says, if you're having a bad day, you need a meeting. And if you're having a good day, the meeting needs you. And I try to remember that it's not always about me. And sometimes other people need hope, just hearing whatever you have to say. But that was on my heart to share because that's a sensitive subject for me because I was like, don't take away my hope. Sometimes that's all I have. <laughs> Not that you're trying to take away hope, but I also can see how it can be loaded if you're wanting things to change. So I'm really fascinated by it. And I think I will go back and listen to that other pod, the podcast he did on it. It was a long time ago. But yeah, thanks. Tina, it's not as much what we think that we get our peace and joy from things being different. Make this better and I'll be happy. Make this better and I'll be happy. Blah, blah, blah. But what we find is 
that the peace we're looking for is not in things changing, but it's in accepting things as they are. So that's what I found. That worked for me and works, continues to work for me. Once I gain acceptance of something as it is, that doesn't mean I don't want it to change or I wouldn't like for it to be different. But if we accept it as it is in that moment, I found peace then not in preparing everything to make all these change. If there's something to change, do it. But that doesn't mean that your peace is in that action. If that try it sometime when you're angry, just allow yourself to be angry for a moment and see if it doesn't leave. I am angry at blank. I don't like the way whatever. And just sit with it for a minute and see if it doesn't start dissipating and just leaving. That's my experience when I don't fight it. I don't even have to pray good things for the person. If I just let myself be angry, a lot of times it'll just leave because a lot of times I find that, well, almost all the time, it has nothing to do with them. It's all about me. (laughs) It's always my response, my reaction. It's not the thing. It's my response to the thing. So if I'm hurting, I open my heart and ask for someone to help. Someone may come to mind. Someone may be put in my path. I don't know. But as long as I'm open, then I get in that flow of life that we talked about earlier, that things just come together. Yeah. Good meeting today. Thank you all for a great conversation. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.